Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over for 90 years and not just help them but do everything to make sure they not only grow but flourish that's why navy federal credit union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky high rates so don't hesitate start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options navy federal credit union our members are the mission savings products insured by ncua investment products are not insured not obligations of navy federal and may lose value Ah. <laughs> okay. Come on, Ty. You can do all, than that. Am I supposed to yell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me. Uh, oh no. Yeah, like a, an atonal scream is kind of uh, the, the thing. <laughs> Look, I don't know why we do this, but Sophie says this is critical for traffic. You know, oh, this is entirely okay. so at Sophie's command. This is I'm why just following listen. her orders. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Yeah. She loves the atonal grunting. She says it's it's the only reason people listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, welcome back to Behind the Bastards, the podcast that is legally required to listen. If you have friends who aren't listening, call the FBI immediately and report them. <laughs> call CPS, you know, <laughs> one way or the other have the state do violence to them for not listening to, to our show it, we have to issue them a citation yeah fuck them up with cops so ty hello how, 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 how are you doing in part two i'm i'm doing great i got a little oreo brownie bites on Boogaloo. oh that um, sounds um, good yeah <laughs> i had a fistful of blueberries from my front garden oh my god ty way healthier aka hey shady lady from the boss level podcast uh you're a twitch streamer a youtuber um, a, a a colleague of my nemesis and also the editor of our podcasts, Daniel. Daniel. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> One day I will destroy him. But today, why? <laughs> he knows why, Sophie. Oh, today okay. though. Today we're talking about Doctor William Sadler, his wife Lena, and their career as pop 
psychologists slash eugenicists and uh, now debunkers of automatic writing and mediumship phenomena. So they've they've pivoted as we hit part two. Now, when we talk about automatic writing, right, that is basically somebody claims to have been taken over by some sort of entity that is not them that is writing using their body, right? If you've um, ever seen Sixth Sense, they have the kid. I think it's the kid in Sixth Sense that does automatic writing. Um, I think the th- mm. I think Bruce Willis, the therapist, tells him to like just write, and eventually your real words that you need to say are going to come out, and then it's just all the ghosts angry, you know. And then the mom yeah. finds, and she's like, "Holy shit, what's wrong with my kid?" <laughs> That's actually how I write all of these podcasts. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> yes, all all of these podcasts are automatically written by me channeling various <laughs> ghosts um it's good shit it's Behind absolutely the good shit ghosts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. written by ghosts this one <laughs> oddly enough written by the ghost of joseph stalin weird oh, shit mm-hmm. yeah he's a lot more vulgar than i thought yeah well that's uh that's jay stall so uh anyway uh the most prominent proponent of automatic writing in the post-war era was sir oliver lodge a well-known physicist and a pioneer in the science of radio waves lodge lost a son in belgium in 1915 to a german artillery shell and then a younger brother to the flu in 1919 so he's kind of like the human embodiment of this like wave of grief that brings people to spiritualism in the post-war era. He also lost a brother-in-law in Belgium in 1914, but who gives a shit about brother-in-laws, right? Um, anyway, so much loss spurs him to explore life after death, and in 1916, he writes a book about a series of contacts he claimed to have had with his dead son, Raymond. Lodge and his wife sat with several mediums who attempted to communicate with their boy through tactics like table tilting and automatic writing. In a write-up, History.com notes, In his messages, Raymond offered a comforting vision of the great beyond, complete with flowers, trees, dogs, cats, and birds. He repeatedly assured his parents that he was happy. He told them he'd reconnected with his 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 late grandfather, plus a brother and sister who died in infancy, and made many new friends. He reported that soldiers who'd lost an arm in battle found it magically restored, although those who had been blown to pieces took a bit longer to become whole. And I do love the vision of like an afterlife that's perfect, but also if you get blown up, it takes a while to get unblown up. Like it's not that perfect. The afterlife, there's still like shit they got to deal with, right? You got to wait to get rebuilt if that happens to you. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Um, Dr. William Sattler heartily rejected the claims of supernatural experiences published by people like Lodge, but he would later claim in 1911 he was reached out to by a neighbor who was concerned that her husband would occasionally lapse into a deep sleep and breathe abnormally. She was unable to rouse him during these episodes. The doctor Sadler agreed to sit with the sleeping subject, as he was known, and take notes on what he did. At some point, he began to speak, and one party who was present at the time recorded what occurred. Quote, the subject was moistening his lips. Perhaps we should ask a question. How are you feeling? To the great astonishment of everyone, the subject spoke, but the voice was peculiar, not his normal voice. The voice identified itself as a student visitor on an observation mission from another planet. This being apparently was conversing through the sleeping subject by some means, and this then became a common occurrence. So while he's like a debunker and going around and he's doing like these big show debunkings with his friend, the magician, he starts talking with this visitor who claims to be like in the body of like a guy who lives in his apartment building. 
Um, and they start taking notes on what this this being is saying. And again, the timeline is all fucked up here. The book that Sadler writes about this isn't published until the 50s. Most sources will say that the first visitation, the first time he talks to this guy while he's channeling someone, happens in 1911. Some claims say 1906. This probably never happened at all. So it's, again, entirely you know academic but sadler later claims it starts in like 1911 or so um and his claim is that like this this other this person who's like being possessed in the night is being possessed by a student visitor basically a, an intern from these advanced spiritual beings who run, run like a galactic <laughs> federation so basically this like intern is hanging out and looking at earth and like talking through the sleeping man to our buddy William Sadler starting in 1925 the sleeper switched from speaking with the voice of a visitor while passed out to doing automatic writing producing voluminous handwritten documents with uh, filled with fantastic stories about this alien civilization so again Sadler claims this goes on for decades there's no evidence whatsoever of this. Um, the first writing that we have by Sadler on the matter was published in a 1929 book, The Mind at Mischief, which is mostly a debunking of mediums and psychics. In the appendix, he wrote about two cases he could not adequately explain, including this one. Quote, the other exception has to do with a rather peculiar case of psychic phenomena, one which I find myself unable to classify. I was brought into contact with it in the summer of 1911, and I have had it under my observation more or less ever since, having been present at probably 250 of the night sessions, many of which have been attended by a stenographer who made voluminous notes. A thorough study of this case has convinced me that it is not one of ordinary trance. This man is utterly unconscious, wholly oblivious to what takes place, and unless told about it subsequently, never knows that he has been used as a sort of clearinghouse for the coming and going of alleged extraplanetary personalities. Psychoanalysis, hypnotism, intensive comparison fail to show that the written or spoken messages of this individual have origin in his own mind. Much of the material secured through this subject is quite contrary to his habits of thought, to the way in which he has been taught, and to his entire philosophy. In fact, of much that we have secured, we have failed to find anything of its nature in existence." So basically, he's like, this guy's a normal, boring-ass Christian like me, and he's telling all these fantastic stories about aliens. Clearly, that means they're real. It's just, you keep, the, the word you keep using is grift, and yeah. it's all I'm thinking is this guy, Sadler, has established himself as an expert on mm -hmm. debunking spiritual psychic phenomena Except my friend over here, mm -hmm. because <laughs> who's legit, yeah, and it's he claims 1911 because that puts it at before the the spiritualism the spiritualism like uh, craze bursts. There's no evidence of him claiming that this guy exists to other people until like the late 20s, and he doesn't publish anything about this until the 50s. So again, I think he's I think he's made up a lot of this. Obviously, at some point there is a larger group of people that he's rep reportedly going back to. We'll talk about that in a second. So who the sleeping subject was has never been made clear. Sadler and his fo followers would later claim he'd been, quote, a hard-boiled businessman, member of the Board of Trade and Stock Exchange, in order to make him seem more credible. It was it was one of Dr. Harvey Kellogg's sons. It was like his oh. brother-in-law. Oh, yeah. of course. Okay. It was a Kellogg. <laughs> Keep it yeah. in the family. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, this write-up from the Rutledge text, UFO Religions, edited by Christopher Partridge, tells the next part of the story. 
Later, two other people were admitted to witness the events, one of whom became the secretary. Together, the six people involved became known as the Contact Commission, although it was only ever the sleeping subject who was used as the actual contact. William Sadler's initial explanation for the event was that it was being generated by the mind of the individual. However, he had abandoned this initial diagnosis of automatic speaking after examining the sleeping subject under hypnosis. Similarly, further attempts to find another scientific answer failed. The sleeping subject was also viewed by Sadler as being in good health, and any notion of him suffering from any form of psychiatric ailment was refuted by Sadler. So again, we know that this is real because we hypnotized him and he didn't admit to having faked it. <laughs> right? Okay. Great. Sounds Solid. Legit. That seems bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Sadler. So, more detail on the Contact Commission comes from the book God Talk, which describes, and that's by our buddy the Gooch, which describes it as, quote, a tightly interwoven incestuous family unit. So, this Contact Commission, which is always described in, in these very business-like terms in order to make it seem like, well, as a scientist, I immediately put together a commission of people who could analyze this. It's all Sadler's and Kellogg's. Right? Like, it's all family. It's a bunch yeah, of his, like, yeah. kin. The stenographer is their adopted adult daughter. Um, there's never any good reason given as to why Sadler found this example of automatic writing to be legitimate, by ex but it rejected all other mediums and their ilk. Some sources claim he continued to doubt uh, that this person was real, was really channeling anything up until 1936, and that it was his wife, Lena, who was the major impulse to keep having these conversations with aliens um and it's worth noting that there's only really two major differences between this case which sadler declared real and other automatic writing claims from the same period number one the sources here are intergalactic alien governmental interns and not spirits or divine entities which is <laughs> a change um and number two the claims they make are replete with specific scientific claims so they're making specific scientific claims about space and the universe um some of these claims are very wrong. They claim that the universe is 850 billion years old. It's it's not. I think it's like 50 billion, something like that. Okay. They make claims about like how planets form via accretion, where which has also generally been debunked. Other claims are kind of weirdly close. They make a claim about the speed of light that isn't far off. Um, Had that already been established at that time? No, no. Again, this is the fucking 20s and stuff that they're, okay. they're putting this okay. out. Okay. Although the book isn't published until the 50s. So then again, like when some of this has been, it's a mix. Um, but that is something that's different, right? Is they're actually they're actually making like sci-fi claims here. Like it's like it's like Star Trek Technobabble stuff. It's nearly all bullshit. Um, but it the fact that they are putting out specific scientific claims in their automatic writing is really different because nearly all of this is just kind of spiritual in nature as opposed to. Yeah. It just makes me think of like L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology. I don't know. I have this kind of like, yes. like full, I don't know if I want to call it a philosophy or whatever, but I'm, I'm very like involved in the tarot communities and the witchy magical realm or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, as soon as somebody tells me that they're the only person that has contact with a specific alien, I run <laughs> the other direction. Yes. <laughs> like yes. As soon as you're and the only one that has access to this information and it's some, you know, mystical being that only talks to you. Okay, I'm out. I'm going to head out. And, and it, it's interesting. You see what they're doing here. They're trying to make it not seem like that by saying, well, there's a commission of people. But yeah, and, and eventually it's a few hundred, but none of them talk directly to the subject. So the subject will write a bunch of shit and they'll present it to this big meeting of this forum of folks. 
And then people will like write up questions or vote on questions to ask. And they're just given another sheet the next week, but none of them get to see it get written. It's claimed to be this great mystery how the writing gets to anyone. Like the pages just appear the next morning and they say like, we had people watching over him while he was sleeping and then they turned their back for a second and there were pages, you know, like it's never clear exactly where the pages come from, but obviously nobody ever sees them um, get written. So that's that's fine. Um, again, like spoilers, but it's probably Sadler who's writing everything. I was going to say it's fine because Sadler says it's okay. He's yeah. the expert here. So yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, you can see shades of Helena Blavatsky here, right? Because she's, and I think that that's probably who Sadler is aping, because Blavatsky again kind of comes into prominence in the late 1800s as an anti-spiritualist, like pushing a very different set of things. So she doesn't believe that people are talking to the dead. They're talking to spirits. And like these spirits are telling people stories of this vast, epic-spanning racial history, right? Blavatsky's got these ancient masters who are remnants of an underground super race who started civilization. Whereas you can kind of see what, what Sadler's doing as a derivation of that, right? Because the people he's talking to are are these like alien kind of spirits who are basically representatives of this galactic federation who are telling people or who are telling humans about like uh, what's actually happening in the universe and Earth's place in it. Um, the the aliens who are controlling the subject's body and doing the automatic writing are called midwayers. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're giving out all this sci-fi shit. So according to the revelations given by the subject to the contact commission, uh, which are eventually bundled into a collection of writing called the Arantia papers, the center of the universe, um, is a perfect, well, the center of the multiverse, cause this is a multiverse thing too, right? There's a bunch of universes. At the center of all the universes. So this is the backstory of Doctor Strange. Okay. Yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> so at the center of all of the universes is a perfect universe called Havona, which is created by God to be the eternal core of perfection. It's basically heaven, but heaven's got like millions of worlds and trillions of people. And it's like... It's built to be perfect and it's always perfect. And then all of the other universes outside of it start out as chaotic and they're free and imperfect. And so people can choose good or evil. And each isn't like each of these universes outside of Havona isn't created by God. They're created by one of his sons. He has a shitload of kids like God is fucking blasting out babies in this in this <laughs> in this cosmology. Um, and so the goal of each of these universes is to gradually work towards perfection and become as perfect as Havona. Um, in order to achieve this, God lays out an intricate interstellar bureaucracy between all the trillions of worlds and inhabited universes and X worlds are grouped into this category and then all of the different systems are this and then the different galaxies, yada, yada, yada. The multiverse is a big bureaucracy. Um, the, 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 the spirits go into detail about this, but it is not interesting. Um, <laughs> As a general rule, the way things work is that life carriers seed each world with life and then different children of God guide each world towards perfection uh, by sending light skinned blue eyed aliens named mm. Adam and Eve down to upstep the natives by breeding with them. And lest they seem too airy and I should note that Adam and Eve are also eight feet tall and have shimmering bodies. Um, this sounds like Anunnaki, like the Anunnaki yes, origin. Yes, yeah. that's where this comes from. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> Anunnaki, big in certain strains of QAnon and other kind of yeah. 
spiritual. This is, again, this is in the 30s, right? So this is kind of precursor to all of that shit. Um, now, unfortunately, it's also includes a lot of eugenics shit because, again, the idea is that you have these life created on these planets and then Adam and Eve's are sent down, which is like Adam and Eve is a job, right? That certain perfect beings are given in order to upstep races. So they go in and they're supposed to interbreed with the natives enough that quote, inferior stocks will be eliminated and there will be one purified race, one language and one religion, according to Gardner's summary of things. Now, that's what's supposed to happen. But things go wrong on our world, which is known as Orontia, right? We're, Earth is Orontia. Now, Orontia is unique among the planets in the cosmos because it develops life independently from the children of God and the, the life seeders or carriers. So the son of God who was supposed to manage upstepping life on Earth is Lucifer. But he and his chief assistant, Satan, decide to rebel instead. Um, they advocate for, quote, self-assertion and liberty for themselves and the people on Orantia. And this is a bad thing, right? This is framed as a bad thing. So Lucifer um, and Satan are two different entities. In they're this. two different entities entities and they are they are fucking shit up on our all right right. yeah (laughs) i'm gonna quote next from the book ufo religions adam and eve a son and daughter of the local system arrived and began the difficult task of attempting to untangle the confused affairs of a planet retarded by rebellion and resting under the ban of spiritual isolation according to the arantia papers adam and eve were too impatient with the mission and wanted immediate results but the results thus secured proved most disastrous both to themselves and to their world that is they failed to adhere to the mission god set out for them Now, all that's a little confusing, and parsing language from the book of Arantia into regular people talk can be a little difficult, Mm. so I'm going to read a summary from a write-up in inverse to clarify what is supposed to have happened. Adam and Eve messed up, so, having failed to achieve race harmonization by the Adamic technique, uh, part two, the local universe section of the book tells us, you must now work out your planetary problem of race improvement by other and largely human methods of adaptation and control. In case there is any confusion as to what that means, paper 51 of the Arantia book says, The inferior and unfit are largely eliminated. It seems that you ought to be able to agree upon the biologic disfellowshipping of your more markedly unfit, defective, degenerate, and antisocial stocks. Weird because, like, the (laughs) QAnon and, and, like, the modern people that are, like, New Age, anti-Semitic, they're afraid of this. They're not, like generally speaking they're not i mean i don't know but from what i've seen of it they're not for this behavior they're like trying to wake up the sheeple to the fact that this is what the 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 conspiracy is behind the scenes the the deep state or whatever is actually doing they are although you you might also note that at kind of the same time they're um they're really paranoid about uh or at like it, it it might also be worth noting that like at the same time they are talking about like a purging of certain types of people from yeah. the planet, right? Yeah. Like that's always a major factor. I don't know. Um, interesting stuff, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, and it's also kind of worth noting that the term disfellowshipping, which is in the Arantia book, that's what it calls like the elimination of specific races, the biologic disfellowshipping. When you get kicked out of the seventh day Adventist church, that's called disfellowshipping, right? It's a very specific term that they use. The disfellowship Um, of the ring. Yeah, I'm familiar. So (laughs) it's interesting, again, in terms of evidence that it's Sadler who wrote this. These aliens write a lot like former seventh day Adventists. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's. It's really interesting to see how much of like this mm-hmm. lore was built in the late 1800s to the early 1900s. The late 1800s. And the echoes are uh, 
still impacting us today in like the the new age communities and stuff like people are still echoing a lot of these beliefs as fact and it's like these people the, this like little intricate whatever the word the phrase was the incestuous family unit or yeah. whatever cr- created all of this and then still a hundred years later like it's still echoing throughout as fact <laughs> yeah it's awesome and it's also cool that like Again, you can see these aliens, which are supposedly like enlightened galactic beings, write an awful lot like a former Seventh-day Adventist who's mm, super into mm. eugenics. Like, weirdly, <laughs> they seem to be that kind. Of, they seem a lot like William Sadler. I was going to say, they probably just clued it on Sadler because they're like, hey, he gets us. <laughs> yeah, he gets us. Well, that's what... The, so they will later... It, the book that comes out of us will later claim that, like, Sadler's whole life was manipulated by these aliens to prepare him for their revelations. So, like, that's why he became and then left the Seventh-day Adventist mm-hmm. faith and got into eugenics as they were, they were guiding him to being ready to be, like, a vessel for this stuff. But you know who else is a vessel for eugenics? Not me. But who? The products and services that support this podcast. Sophie and I are entirely sponsored by Big Eugenics. So <laughs> I would like to be excluded from this narrative. What is well, happening? That's, that's too bad, no. Sophie. I refuse to disfellowship you. <laughs> you know, part of me is like, oh, but then you just accused me of eugenics. So no. <laughs> just of being spawn Sophie, of being sponsored by eugenics. No, I'm good. Sophie. I have to. Sophie. No, thanks. It's a, it's, a, Sophie. it's a hard pass on the sponsored by eugenics platform that you're standing on. <laughs> Sophie, look, whomst among us is not sponsored by the concept of eugenics? That's what I had to ask. Me. Well, not anymore. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We're back and we're talking about our sponsors, Big Eugenics. Big Eugenics. <laughs> Let's give, why not? Huh? That's yeah, their, that's it's their it's motto. It's a good time. Why no. not, huh? It's a good time. No. Okay, well, that's <laughs> one opinion. Anyway, you might have noted from that last bit that while most of the revelations we've talked about seem to be like harmless sci-fi kooky shit, a lot of it kind of sounds like a genocidal rant about oh, yes. purging the world of like inferior races, like stuff that you could fit into Nazi propaganda pretty easily. And again, this is because it's all written by Dr. William Sadler. Part of why we know this is that, duh, Part of why we know this is that people who have analyzed the book since after its publication note that large segments of it are plagiarized almost word for word from his other books, including his books about eugenics. Incredible. Um, Didn't even cover his tracks. That's very big brain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he didn't assume anyone would ever have like find and replace in a in a. a, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So. Yeah, it's cool. The whole thing is basically a mix of his like Adventist beliefs, his eugenicist beliefs and like pop psychology of the day sandwiched between like weird pseudo Christian and like alien stuff. I'm going to quote from inverse again. Starting around 500,000 years ago, six colored races appeared on Orantia, red, orange, yellow, green, blue and indigo. The earlier races are somewhat superior to the later. Again, because they're closer to Adam and Eve. The red man stands far above the indigo, or black race, says Paper 51 of the Orantia book, and each succeeding evolutionary manifestation of a distinct group of mortals represents variation at the expense of the original endowment. Furthermore, the yellow race usually enslaves the green, while the blue man, which corresponds to Caucasians, subdues the indigo, or black. So the Orantia book does not limit its racism to oblique references. Uh, quote, in fact, per text, evil in the form of illness and disease exists because unfit peoples like Australian natives and the Bushmen and Pygmies of Africa, these miserable remnants of the non-social peoples of ancient times, haven't been eliminated. Eugenics is the way to correct this error. So that's the Arantia book saying that, like, basically, indigenous people and Africans 
need to be eliminated. They were supposed to be eliminated by Satan and Lucifer, but in their rebellion, Satan and Lucifer and Adam and Eve didn't didn't do this. So we have so we have to now, right? That's what eugenics is necessary because Earth isn't following interstellar law. But maybe it shouldn't. Like I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm thinking, maybe like, Satan and like, Lucifer are right. Yeah. Like the the indigenous people of like Australia and Africa and wherever else were like living in harmony with nature. And as soon as mm-hmm. it's like colonized, we start overproducing things and you know uh, destroying the land and everything. So it sounds like these aliens are probably a pretty bad influence on on Earth. <laughs> it's yeah. It sounds like Satan and Lucifer may have may have had things right. Uh, maybe <laughs> anti colonial kids. The devil and his friend Satan. (laughs) Um, Which is cool. I do also like that in this cosmology, Jesus, who also exists and is a son of God, is a brother of Lucifer, which is fun. And then, like, Satan's just like a guy that Lucifer works with. Um, But, yeah, Satan and Lucifer, again, pretty pretty based. Um, So, the book goes on to note, biologic renovation of the racial stocks, the selective elimination of inferior human strains, will tend to eradicate many mortal inequalities. So, basically, all of our social inequality is caused by the fact that we haven't genocided enough people. Okay. It's good. That's, uh, all right, we gotta, honestly, it's a strong backing for a crazy sci-fi novel where the main character is trying to overthrow all of this shit. (laughs) It would be, right? You could actually make a pretty cool story about this where you find out that, like, there's this giant intergalactic government, but they're all basically Nazis, (laughs) and the devil's real, but he's a good guy who didn't want to wipe out, (laughs) like, (laughs) um, yeah, uh, anyway, it's 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 cool stuff. Um, now, I should also note here, Ty, that Jesus is just a huge part of the Arantia book. There's okay. a whole chunk of it called the Jesus Papers. Now, Jesus is a son of God, right? But he's not the son of God because, again, God in this is like, he's like Elon Musk's dad, right? He's just like fucking <laughs> shooting kids out everywhere. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is spewing children over the multiverse. <laughs> To be specific, Jesus is one of 700,000 creator sons that God ejaculated out into the universe. So, like, he's not very special. No, he's not special say. at all. No, 700,000 kids, you wouldn't even remember their fucking birthdays. <laughs> um, you'd have thousands of kids die and it wouldn't mean shit to you. So, as best as I can tell, Jesus in this book is a wise alien who came to Earth to correct the errors that Satan and Lucifer introduced. Those errors being, don't genocide indigenous people and black people (laughs) so jesus is kind of a nazi in this um and he also has a pretty different backstory and to give that backstory i'm going to quote again from the book god talk by our buddy the gooch quote the final section containing the jesus papers the most accessible part of the book gives a day-by-day account of all incidents left out of the new testament concerning jesus christ we learn that when jesus was 14 his father died from a derrick collapsing on him that jesus visited a university in athens where he thoroughly discussed the teachings of plato that he toured much of the roman world with two natives of india gonad and ganid that his body in the tomb was speeded forward to complete disintegration while he appeared again in what was actually a reconstituted 
spiritual body. Along the way, a few the Christian theological, a few key Christian theological doctrines are handily abandoned: the fall of man, the virgin birth, atonement, bodily resurrection. One problem in understanding the book comes with its dizzying roll call of otherworldly officials, go-betweens, functionaries, angels, near dear near deities, spirits, bodies, planets, galaxies, stars, transport vehicles, and communication devices somehow linking together the various worlds separated by time, space, and moral distance in an updated version of the medieval chain of being. To complicate matters, this cast of characters and locales are often given neologisms for their names and titles. The terms derived from a strange etymology that results in a kind of Indo-European newspeak. Caligastia, Orantia, Nebadon, Orovantan, Morontia. Each of the papers has its own presenter, identified by such theatrical names as Brilliant Evening Star, Mighty Messenger, Vorandatic Sun, or Malavatia Melichiznek. The, eff- the effect is of an exotic linguistic tissue laid over a nuts and bolts grid. And it's all like, it's kind of unreadable. You have to kind of read translations of it from other people because... If you're not reading from page one, like all of these different names and aliens, it's just fucking nonsense. That's why we're not doing a ton of different quotes from it. But this is a very poorly applied uh, creative writing talent. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is somebody who should have been like L. Ron Hubbard submitting short stories to shitty sci-fi magazines. (laughs) But instead for and this is going on for like 20 something years. They're they're submitting. You've got this forum, and you've got this commission who are like submitting questions to the mighty Melchizedek or whatever the fuck Melchizedek <laughs> or something. All these fucking ridiculous space aliens who are like coming back with answers, and they're gradually building this collection of papers. And yeah, if what Sadler and his followers say happened can be trusted, which it can't, what's going on is that their sleeping source will write shit, the council will come back with more questions, um, and these will get like, and it's never exactly clear how the answers get written out or how the questions get delivered to the aliens. They're very coy about the process. Um, but in 1923, the Sadlers and the Kelloggs establish a forum uh, to discuss the papers and propose better questions. I'm going to quote from the book UFO Religions again here. In late 1925, the forum became a closed group with members signing a pledge of secrecy. The pledge read as follows. We acknowledge our pledge of secrecy, renewing our promise not to discuss the Arantia revelations or their subject matter with anyone save active forum members, and to take no notes of such matter as is read or discussed at the public sessions, or make copies or notes of what we personally read. The forum held its last meeting in 1942. The Arantia book was published in 1955, and shortly after the publication of the Arantia book, a final message from the Midwayers was received by the Contact Commission. You are now on your own. After nearly 50 years, the connection between the mortals of our planet and the unseen Midwayer Commission was severed and went dead. So that's that's the story of how the papers get transmitted, right? Convenient any that it's all that it's all taking place throughout his lifetime, and it's wrapping up probably yeah. when he's reaching older age. He's getting old is when it wraps up. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, the forum eventually has like, there's about 400 people involved in this overall thing. Uh, Well, the contact commission is again, five or six people and they're all Sadlers and Kellogg's Um, for years. The forum members were the only people who were allowed to read the papers. They had like a library that was operated by one of Kellogg's sons, who is also the guy that people believe is the person being channeled. Um, 
and people could like check out papers, but they couldn't take them away from the premises. So that's the only way people are reading this for like 30 years, 20 or 30 years. Uh, William's wife, Lena, was adamant that the papers had to be published, though. So she's a big advocate of like, we have to put these together in a book and distribute them to the masses. So she starts collecting money to fund the printing and has raised $20,000 when she dies in 1939. When Lena falls out of the picture, the forum falls to infighting. It seems like she was kind of the primary thing keeping this organized. And after that, there start to be big personality conflicts. The chief instigator is an author named Harold Sherman. Uh, he's a sci-fi writer whose 1976 book, The Green Man, is the origin for the phrase Little Green Men from Mars. It's oh. that guy. So he kind of goes to war with Dr. Sadler over control of the papers. And in 1942, he alleges that Sadler has been tampering with the original transcripts by the Midwayers and altering things. Um Getting called out. Let's go. Yeah, All right. yeah. There's like a weird, weird little, weird little fight within the cult. And I'm going to quote again from God Talk. Sherman then exchanged a series of disgruntled letters with another disillusioned former associate of Sadler's. Um, former associate of Sadler's, Harry Jacob Luce, a Chicago police officer and self-proclaimed psychic who felt that something snapped in Dr. Sadler at his wife's death. He characterized Sadler as a power-mad Svengali. The truth is that Sadler is mentally unsound, Luce wrote to Sherman, a paranoiac with a religio-power complex, feverishly grasping for greater jurisdiction over the mentalities of the many. Oh, that Dr. Lena had lived. How different developments would have been today. Sadler has the usual evidence of long-latent and those of later years aroused mental sadism which is just as definite and fully recognized a condition as physical sadism so that's what people who are in this forum claim right oh and again God. none of these papers are out for other people yet this is purely just like a fight between these weirdos the girls are fighting oh no <laughs> whatever is the truth of this like conflict within the forum sadler wins and after 12 years of editing from like 1942 which is the last transmission, uh, to 1955. They're just editing the papers together. He manages to raise the last $80,000 needed to print a first edition of the Arantia book. On October 12th, 1955, it is published by the R.R. Donnelly & Sons Company in Indianapolis. An organization, the Arantia Foundation, had been established to distribute the book. They mailed off copies to cultural leaders they thought might be sympathetic. Edward R. Murrow, Aldous Huxley, and Eleanor Roosevelt all received copies. Nobody read it. Okay. It's um, <laughs> like interesting. No, don't worry. None of these. <laughs> look, you get a 2,000 page book called The Arantia Book about space aliens in the mail. I mean, I actually would read that. I know. But, I was like, is it bad that I kind of want to copy it? I'm just morbidly curious. <laughs> like, it is It is available. Here's one of the fun things it is available for free online. The Arantia Foundation oh. tried to keep a copyright, but somebody put it up digitally back in like the 90s, and then there was a lawsuit over it. And the people who were putting it up online argued successfully in court that like, hey, they're claiming this is written by aliens, so they can't have a copyright for it. Yeah, this is like, oh my <laughs> right? God, okay. They didn't write this. This isn't their copyright. Yeah, this isn't their book. It's written by aliens. Why do they have a copy? Which is awesome. That fucking rules. It's my favorite part of this story that like they successfully argue in court. Look, man, if aliens wrote this shit, they can't be the ones who hold the copyrights. <laughs> um, Dr. Sadler actually survived 14 years after the book's publication. This guy lives for fucking ever. Yeah. Um, he lives long enough to see his son and grandson die, uh, to see Kellogg's turn into a sugary breakfast cereal that makes people come. Probably, I assume. <laughs> 
if I understand Dr. Kellogg's science properly. Um, and yeah, he ends to see like his publishing career fall apart. You know, people stop accepting his books. Um, but he seems to be good at the end. Uh, his last words are the world is very, this world is very real, but the next one is much more real, which is in line with the philosophy outlined in the Arantia book, which we're not going to get into in detail because it's silly. What matters is that Dr. Sadler dies right on the cusp of the age that was turn his book into an underground hit. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that next. But you know what else is an underground hit, Ty? What else is an underground hit? The products and services that support this podcast. Mm-hmm. They're underground because they're all illegal, you know? Every <laughs> one of our products is smuggled into your town and or city by Burt Reynolds in a Trans Am just, just inches ahead of of the evil Sheriff Buford T. Justice. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, we're back. So, 1969, the year Dr. Sadler dies, is also obviously 
1969, right? It's like all, the year that like the fucking new age movement explodes hippies are all over the place there's all these seekers this is uh, like charles manson time (laughs) charles manson time woodstock this huge explosion and interest in like yoga spiritualism alternative religion buddhism all of this stuff bursts in 1969 um and yeah the fact that the arantia book which is filled with aliens but also like jesus is kind of like perfectly suited because again the new age types here they're not willing to go that far out of the boxes they've been raised in so if you're both talking about like aliens and eastern religion but also you're throwing jesus in there that's going to appeal to an awful lot of hippies right The same year Dr. Sadler dies, a young man named Mo Siegel is living in Boulder, Colorado, and serving Asian herbal tea to customers in a small shop that he had started. His business was completely novel to Americans and to Westerners in general. All mass market tea in the United States and Great Britain at this point was made from the actual tea plant, Camellia sinensis, and thus packaged, uh, packed a heavy wallop of caffeine, right? Tea is actually tea at that point. Herbal tea is not tea. in that it does not contain the tea plant, right? It's made up of basically any other plant, right? right? But you can't buy herbal tea at that point. Obviously, indigenous people had a number of different herbal teas. The concept has existed, but nobody sells it. You can't go to a store and purchase an herbal tea in 1969. Mo Siegel is the first guy who starts this as a business. Um, so herbal tea obviously is an ancient concept, but from a capitalism point of view, it's entirely new. The same year that Mo starts his business, he happens across a copy of the Orantia book in a shop near his house. He later wrote, quote, I thought it was just the goofiest thing I'd ever read. After I read it, I was not concerned about who had written it or how it had been written because it was so powerful. So he like starts reading this as just like, oh, wow, look at this fucking ridiculous thing. And then becomes deeply pilled, I guess you say, over yeah. the course of reading into it. Um, so he's just kind of been selling a handful of teas at a tiny shop. But he's, he, after reading this book, gets convinced that he needs to do something bigger. So he takes a group of his friends who are all big fans of the Arantia book. And they start hiking in the Rockies and picking dozens of pounds of herbal tea at a time and mixing them together into hand-sewn bags and selling them initially at local stores and then all across Colorado. The business takes off very quickly. And Mo claims that his desire to expand it nationwide is fueled by his interest in the Arantia book. Quote, After studying the teachings in the Arantia book, I knew that I would feel selfish and wasteful to simply focus on material success. So as a young man, when I began thinking about what I could do to make a living, I I immediately turned to the health food industry. So that's what leads Mo and his fellow flower children to turn their tea company into a real business. In honor of the celestial beings who had dictated the book they held so dear, they named it Celestial Seasonings. Now, You'll hear a couple of different claims. They also say it's the name of like based on the flower name of one of the people who founded it. But there's debate about this. Uh, In short order, though, their sleepy time tea has become the number one best selling tea in the United States and is today the number one best selling specialty tea of all time worldwide. Um, Each bag includes an inspirational message written on the tag, which initially were direct quotes from the Arantia book. Wow. Uh, For whatever reason, they tended to avoid the verses about eugenics and racial inferiority. (laughs) of course. (laughs) At present, Celestial Seasonings is the number one tea manufacturer in the United States. Its products makes more than $100 million a year. 
Mo continued to lead the company from 1969 up through a merger with Kraft, a corporate buyback, and its eventual acquisition by the Haines Celestial Group. Along the way, Mo never forgot his roots, by which I mean Dr. Sadler's Space Genocide Book. From a write-up Siegel made on the Arantia Book Fellowship website, quote, and this is the founder of Celestial Seasonings, Illness and disease result from evil and cause suffering. Unfortunately, several factors hinder progress towards the development of a disease-free world. The laws of genetics are immutable and form the physical cornerstone of evolution. At the present time, mankind loses about as much progress as it makes by ignoring eugenics. Implying that we need to do eugenics? Yeah, yeah, we gotta be doing more eugenics because we can't get rid of disease. (laughs) The goal of the human race is to get rid of disease, which is why Mo is a big advocate of natural foods, right? Natural foods are healthier. They keep you from getting disease, but we can't eliminate disease until we eliminate certain kinds of people. That's insane. Yeah, we have to stop people who are differently abled or whatever from breeding, and we have to stop certain races from breeding in order to stop disease. That's the founder of Sleepy Time Tea. And that's like the the problem with people that are like dipping Mm -hmm. their toes into the new age movement right now is they'll immediately be introduced to some Mm -hmm. of these concepts that on the surface don't seem like they're uh, founded in eugenics and shit like that. But once you just start like peeling the layer back, it's right there and it's unavoidable. And then you're like, oh shit, what do I do? Like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's very funny. Um, it's not Hilar- funny. Oh, but yeah. you, Hilarious. You can say so, such a good if you if you if you go to bed sipping a sleepy time tea, you can think. You know, if you're if you use a wheelchair, if your vision isn't perfect, if you're not a white Nordic, for example, if you're one of the dreaded Alpine race, <laughs> the <laughs> guy who invented the tea you sip before bed doesn't want your round head to be breeding. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Probably wouldn't have guessed that when you woke up this morning. Except no, for see, you had apparently heard this, Ty. I, I, I so I do, um, I do like a, a podcast called uh, Celestial Cafe, actually, but it's with a couple of my friends. Oh, awesome! We, we deep dive into like witchy, you know, tarot, like occult stuff, and uh, we we start every episode talking about what drinks we're drinking. So we all frequently are drinking teas and things like that. And celestial mm-hmm. seasonings has been a topic of conversation amongst the four of us because it's literally one step back into the direction of that, appealing back yeah. the layer, and we're like hold up now (laughs) wait a second (laughs) and that's why all of the teas on my shelf i stopped buying celestial seasonings after that (laughs) oh well good um it is tasty but yeah it's very good i I will know you you might be willing to you might be able to keep buying it after this so we'll talk about that a little at the end so i will say to i guess his credit mo never tried to hide the importance of the arantia book to sleepy time tea or its influence in his life nor did he try to hide the fact that he was a eugenicist like he's he's not coy about this he's not ashamed he's proud nobody really notices until 2015 which is really weird but that's not on mo he's very open about this he authors several texts explaining the uh, arantia book and boiling down its teachings and he repeatedly credits the book with providing the moral compass that compass that he and his co-workers started their company on quote i had wanted bold i found bold i wanted spiritual adventure and i was on the right of my life i was searching for truth and the book was loaded with it and there's no doubt that one of the truths animating celestial seasonings and mo siegel was the need to purge a large amount of the human population through controlled breeding and I'm going to quote now from a write-up by Megan Giller. And Megan Giller is the reason why people know this story. She writes an article for a now-defunct website uh, in 2015, which is then rep- 
published more recently by Inverse. It's Megan Giller who actually, again, this was all out there for people to find. Megan is the first person, she's like a food journalist, who like realizes like, why isn't anyone talking about this? This is nuts. What the fuck? Um, so credit to Megan Let's for being go, the Megan. one who like broke this. Um, quote, the fellowship is putting its money where its mouth is too. In a 2010 email sent to readers with advanced information and forward-looking perspectives that are not suited for being posted on the website, a follower named Martin Greenhut writes that the trustees have convened a panel on eugenics. He names all of the panel members, the most striking of which is Kermit Anderson, who at the time was the genetic screening program director at Kaiser Permanente in California and the author of much genetics research. So again, members of the Arantia Foundation, like people who were inspired by this book about alien eugenics, are like in 2010 include people who are doing genetic screening at Kaiser Permanente directing programs and they're like convening fucking panels and God knows like some amount of sleepy time tea money is funding this yes, because exactly. Mo Siegel is the president of the Arantia Foundation for a large chunk of the time that he is running Celestial Seasonings you know like they are not entirely separate so there is a period at which Celestial Seasonings is to some extent aiding and funding the fucking Arantia Foundation exactly. directly or indirectly. That's a little unclear. I, I, it's not like the company is directly handing money to them, but anyway, um, or at least we don't know that they were. Now, I should note for the purposes of accuracy and not getting sued, Mo Siegel is no longer directly involved with Celestial Seasonings. He's still on the board for the Arantia Foundation. He retires from the company in 2002. Uh, his co-founder and fellow Arantian John Hay quit in 1985 because he was offended by Siegel's desire to become like Coca-Cola, in the words of one colleague. Um, and in 2000, Siegel sells the company to Hain's Celestial Group, whose name is actually a coincidence, it seems. Hain is basically the company that invents the natural health food as a product category, and that's who runs it now. Um, there's a couple of sh shady things about Hain. Broadly speaking, they seem to be in a, a better company than most within sort of the food industry. Yeah. Um, you know, there's they have a great rating from how good um, in terms of social and environmental impact. There have been a couple of scandals, none of which are super related to the Arantia Foundation stuff. So it, it's worth up until like 2002, you might view kind of celestial seasonings as sort of like the eugenics version of uh, Chick-fil-A. Oh, okay. Now, probably not. Like, it's unclear. Obviously, I suspect that fucking Siegel, who's still around, has stock in the, in the company. And so probably because he's a big funder of the fucking foundation, you could argue that some amount of the money that Celestial Seasonings makes could go to the foundation. Yeah. But there's not a direct connection anymore. They're they're pretty much corporate. And obviously, I don't think Haynes Celestial Group is funding the Arantia Foundation or, or anything like that. So you are probably safe buying Sleepy Time Tea today. But this is where it comes from. And it's, it's again, like all, I, all I'm thinking about listening to these stories is... These companies were able to be so loved, I guess, by the people at the time, like back in the early 1900s, mid 1900s, that they are now 
titans in our food industry. Like Kellogg's is still a titan here and it could never have grown that large if it weren't so widely supported in the beginning. And when they were a lot more overt with their Mm -hmm. eugenicist beliefs and stuff, that means that it was also a reflection of society like much more deeply at the time. And it's just really disheartening. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because like I think it got kind of I think most people who would have been aware of this to some extent, the Arantia book would have just been like, oh, it's a weird book about space aliens. And then kind of that that's that's it. I, I think it probably was not noticed by most people that like there's genocide shit in here. Yeah. Um. And again, I, I don't I, I should honestly, to be entirely honest, if you are a sleepy time tea consumer, I don't believe any of your money is going to help this anymore. Nobody really cares about the Arantia book. They are not certainly not doing what Chick-fil-A is doing, right? right? Like, which is actively contributing to direct harm. This is more just like, isn't that weird? Your favorite tea comes from eugenics. Um, <laughs> wacky, huh? It does um, just make it have a sour taste to me. I'm just like, there's so many other like indie tea I mean, companies I could be supporting or like smaller. Sure, tea brands, sure. <laughs> and, and that's that's perfectly reasonable. I don't want to do like uh, people have so many find so many reasons these days to be like, oh, another thing I love is like fucked up. Yeah, there's a fucked up history here. It's fine, right? Like you're not if you have you don't go you don't have to go throwing out your sleepy time tea if it helps you go to sleep. You are it, it is not aiding and abetting eugenics at this point <laughs> to consume sleepy time tea. Phew, I just okay. <laughs> I think it's a fun story, right? Like it is it is kind of like fucking wild, right? That this is just like Well, it also makes where, you wonder how many other just things in your cabinet have weird fucking backstories that you've never dug into. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like that's that's it. It's one of those I read this great article by Megan oh gosh, what's her full Megan Giller, um, who again gets the credit for breaking the part of the story that it's connected to celestial seasonings. And I wanted to do that story, but there's not really a lot to say. Mo Siegel definitely sucks. He's like an example of the kind of hippie we don't talk about enough, which mm-hmm. is like hippies that are super racist mm-hmm. and bigoted and like believe terrible things about the world, which he does because he writes about eugenics and that's fucked up. Um, but at the end of the day, he made like herbal tea popular which is not terrible, and I don't think I can't really see. Ho- like I don't know, there probably is if someone were to do more research. Like the fact that that fucking Kaiser Permanente director of genetic research is an Arantian and in part of their yeah. eugenics commission, that someone should look into that more. That does deserve <laughs> investigation. Maybe there's a worse story here, but as I looked into it, I came to be like, oh, the story here is about Doctor William Sadler, this like piece of shit trend following eugenicist and like it's just it's interesting to me how this all came together um so there's another piece of like good old-fashioned american occult history for you beautiful Um, delicious too nom 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 (laughs) i hope you all found it delicious slurp it on up suck it down lick it lick it good we're getting tea bags by the the arantia tea bag it get (laughs) Yeah, as we always say at the end of episodes, get teabagged. <laughs> Sophie, are we still sponsored by the concept of getting teabagged? Uh, no. We're not? No. We're not being sponsored. That'd okay, be a sponsorship so I, that would never die, though. You'd always have Yeah, you know, big, big teabagging <laughs> is huge. Um, well, in any case, testicles. And uh, Ty, do you have anything you want to plug at the end here? Um, uh, come check us out over on Boss Level Podcast. Uh, we're interviewing a lot of fun people. I believe we even got to have a wonderful conversation with Sophie over there uh, a week or two ago. Um, is that right? Am I wrong? 
Did I make I that don't up? know. Daniel, Daniel just assigns me things, so oh, it's okay. possible. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, we interview a lot of great people in the broadcasting, gaming, streaming industry uh, and chat about how you can be your own boss, how to become boss level. Uh, it's it's very empowering, very uh very girl boss ga- gaslight gatekeep like Helena Blavatsky. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Hel- Helena Blavatsky, uh, we stand a queen. Uh, all right. Well, check out Ty um, and and send death threats to her partner Daniel um, on my behalf. We'll we'll take him down together, everybody. Don't, don't do that, Sophie. We've lived under his thumb long enough. It's time to be free. <laughs> I, you know, I can't. Daniel's perfect. Daniel's True. Never change. True. Ten out of ten. A perfect Precious. monster. Yeah, but that, but have you seen his puppy? It, it it balances out. I have seen a good. His his puppy's pretty good. His puppy's but pretty good. What do you, what do, what if? I mean, have you considered asking the aliens that run? And our that's society? the episode. About- <laughs> wow, Sophie, fucked up. <laughs> Baby, I was born Hubbarding. ABH, baby. Always be Hubbarding. All right. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.